Well, hey, everyone, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. I'm coming to you today from Asheville, North Carolina for Mailbox Monday. Actually, I'm on my way back home. We've had a great time here at the HSLDA National Leader Summit, which I participate in every single year. Uh, you guys are going to be hearing a lot about uh, threats to homeschool freedom coming up in the future. And also next week, I will be interviewing a family that lives in Tennessee, originally from Germany, and they are being threatened by the United States government right now. After 15 years in the United States, raised their families here, and now all of a sudden, the United States government is saying, get out, we're going to deport you. Well, I met that family here at uh, Ridgecrest in Asheville, and I'm going to bring them on the show. So I hope you guys will come around for that. I think that interview will probably air this coming Friday. Uh, today's Mailbox Monday, so I'm going to jump into your questions. I looked at the headlines and thought about doing a segment on the headlines, and I think it goes back to what I was talking about last week was we desperately need a return to uh, to the American people demanding that our elected officials demonstrate some sort of character, right? We have so many character flaws in our politicians and we make excuses for it because we say, well, that's just politics and that's just how things have to be. Well, I disagree. I think that's wrong. I think it's an absolutely flawed way to look at it. Uh, last week, we heard the newspaper report that Governor Christy Noem was having an affair with Corey Lewandowski. Listen, I don't know if this is true. She's denying it from sunup to sundown. But what we do know for sure is that uh, we've got all kinds of problems with sexual impropriety in our elected officials. And it doesn't stop with the Democrats. Unfortunately, the Republicans are every bit as culpable in this. And if you watch the news and you see what's happening uh, in on the Republican side, it's, I think, almost as bad. And frankly, I, never mind. I take that back. I think it's worse than what's happening with the Democrats, because these are people who frequently cite their Christian values. They talk about how they go to church and how everything they do is because of the, you know, it's for the glory of God. And the Democrat Party obviously doesn't even try to hide their disdain for for God, right? They're into hedonistic sex. They're into child sacrifice uh, all over the place. But yet we give a pass to our Republican senators and uh, and congressmen and women where, which we would consider sort of, you know, I guess in compared to child sacrifice, sort of relatively moderate improprieties, right? These guys are getting drunk. They're vaping. I just saw a video of Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, which frankly was disgusting to me. This woman who was married, keep in mind, before she went to serve as a congresswoman from Colorado, and she's on video, which by the way, here's a really good takeaway for you guys. They're videotaping you in theaters and they're videotaping you with infrared cameras. If you think for one second that just because the theater is dark, you can act like a couple of love struck teenagers. I would really guard against that uh, because Lauren didn't didn't do that. And she's learning a pretty hard lesson right now. Anyway, I want you guys to be considering because I'm going to I'm going to be talking to some guests this week about why it's so important that we demand integrity from our elected officials. Because if you read the news and you watch what's happening on the Republican and the Democrat side, one thing has become very, very clear. Uh, the Republicans absolutely are struggling with sexual impropriety because they don't practice what they preach. And the Democrats are struggling with sexual depravity and they do practice what they preach. Either way, we got massive issues in this country. And I don't think it's going to change until we demand integrity and character as part of the job application for representing people in the House of Representatives. So that was discouraging to me. 
but it sort of backs up my belief that we've got to get back to demanding integrity and we can't pass on what we don't possess. Why are we expecting our children to have a brighter future? Everybody's talking about what we want to give the next generation. And yet this one stumbling and falling down all over itself because we can't do simple things like stay faithful to our wedding vows, right? Those kinds of things. And so I'm going to be talking about statesmanship this week on the show. And I would love to hear from you. I want to hear your comments on the state of our governing bodies that we elect with regard to their behavior, right? This is behavior. These are This goes way beyond bad attitudes and bad judgment. This is behavior that demonstrates that these people are actually not who they say they are. That is frustrating to me. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Reach out to me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. Speaking of Mailbox Monday, it is Mailbox Monday. And so I'm going to answer your questions today. If you would like to have your questions uh, answered here at the show, you can just go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. There's a form there that you can fill out. We'd love to hear your comments and your feedback on shows. You can also leave feedback over at Spotify, and I'm going to play a couple of questions from Spotify listeners. But before I do that, Maria had a response to a podcast where I answered Maggie's question regarding post-pandemic forgiveness. And she said, I just want to thank Maggie and her husband for the courage and perseverance they showed in standing strong against the evil mandates. So many people gave in to the pressure and took the vaccine even when they knew it was wrong. I'm sure the persecution was terrible, and I'm sorry that you had to endure it. I pray that Maggie will, like the apostles in Acts chapter 5, be able to rejoice that they were counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. I love, Maria, that you posted that because, as you guys heard me say, I am really struggling with my own ability to, which I realize I can't do anything apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I've really been praying for, but just my own anger and frustration uh, at the way that people were treated simply because they didn't want to participate in an experimental uh, vaccine trial. And that's what it is, right? Normally we have we have uh, rats that we use as guinea pigs. And in this situation, they used people as guinea pigs and tens of thousands of people have died because of it. And uh, so I really appreciate your exhortation there, Maria. And I also uh, will take that to heart. Also, uh, this was a, a really great follow-up. I was talking to you guys about college Uh, colleges that are not woke, colleges that would be good places for you guys to send to your kids. And a lot of you wrote in and said, how do I know that they're not going to enforce the mandate? Well, you guys are awesome. And another listener wrote in to say uh, that they wanted you guys to check out a website called nocollegemandates.com. And the website has a list of colleges that never mandated the COVID vaccine. And so I actually checked it out. And it's really awesome because uh, you guys can go, I mean, really do check it out. NoCollegeMandates.com. You can see who never mandated it, who is still mandating it. Some of those colleges uh, have had required that you got a primary shot and then a booster. But uh, you can see the history and then you'll kind of get an idea of where these colleges may or may not go in the future. And I've had several of you write in to recommend a non-woke colleges, Cedar University, Cedarville University right now in Ohio uh, is getting really the most votes online from the listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast. And so I thought, well, shoot, before I recommend Cedarville to you guys, and I don't know anybody that's gone there and I don't have any personal experience, but I've had a whole bunch of listeners write in and say how much they love that university. So I went and checked it out at nocollegemandates.com. 
And as it turns out, Cedarville University never had a mandate. So right now, uh, I'm giving them 10 stars out of 10. Sounds like they're not woke and they're not going to force your kids to get a jab. So you guys might want to check out Cedar Cedarville University in Ohio. So thank you guys for sending those in to me. I really appreciate it. All right. Every year at this time, every year without fail, people write into me and they say, what about Halloween? Do you participate in Halloween? Should we participate in Halloween? Well, a couple of things come to mind. The Bible says that we're to have nothing to do with evil deeds of darkness. So that's at the top of the list. Last year when I talked about Halloween, I said, hey, this is Philippians 4.8 on display for you. Whatever's good, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, if anything is excellent or worthy of praise, then let your mind dwell on these things. Well, Halloween, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't fall into any of those categories. And I grew up celebrating Halloween. And frankly, I loved it as a child. My grandmother, for whatever reason, and my grandfather, you know, I told you he was a pastor. Our grandmother was a Bible teacher. They just loved celebrating Halloween. And so I grew up uh, really enjoying it. You know, every year they we went trick-or-treating with them. My grandmother loved it. I never questioned their faith in Jesus Christ. I never questioned, uh, you know, we understood what was right and what was wrong. And as I've gotten older, I have actually changed the way I feel about it. So we used to celebrate Halloween at our house when our kids were little because I grew up doing that. But I have really felt like in recent years, probably the last 10 years for sure, uh, we're living Halloween. <laughs> like every single day, I feel like is Halloween. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. A recent study reveals that 33% of college students prefer to live in a socialist system of government rather than a capitalist one. We clearly need a course that challenges today's high school students to think about whether the founding ideals of this country are worth preserving and then inspires them to act upon their conclusion. Introducing American Civics, a 30-week high school course written by gifted constitutional attorney Michael Ferris. In American Civics, Mr. Ferris will guide your student to a deeper understanding of America's founding principles, the mechanics of government and lawmaking, and the Constitution that makes our system of government possible. If you want to help preserve freedom in America, enroll your student in this 30-week, full-credit, self-directed course at lumen.com and use the coupon code Heidi for 10% off today. That's L-U-M-I-N-N.com. You know, men dressed up as women, twerking in front of children, you know, people talking about evil, wicked things every single day on the news. It's like, it's how I feel about, you know, Pride Month. We have enough of that, you know, disgusting ideology into our country, and yet we take the entire month of Pride and we put it front and center. I feel the same way about Halloween. So, we don't participate uh, in it as a family anymore, which really doesn't, frankly, matter, I guess, a whole lot since most of my kids are grown. Uh, but I'm also not going to lose a friend over it, right? So if somebody says to me, well, we take our kids trick-or-treating, then you do you, right? But I, I for one, you know, starting October 1st, Heidi St. John's launching into Thanksgiving mode. So I'm putting up the pilgrims and the turkeys and the fall decorations and the pumpkins and all the things. 
And I love roasting pumpkin seeds. It's one of the things we still do every single year. Uh, I'm kind of a junkie with pumpkin seeds uh, in, in the fall months. And we take our kids to the pumpkin patch. We do all the things. So you guys are asking me for alternatives to Halloween. And I found actually a super great article. And I'll link back to it in the show notes today at crosswalk.com. And one of the things that they list, I think they list six alternatives to uh, celebrating Halloween. But one thing that they did was they say they do something called fall day all day. And I thought, oh, man, that just sounds like something that I would do at my house. Basically, just like the name suggests. They reserve a special day to do all the things that make fall such a wonderful time of the year. So they go apple picking, maybe go to a pumpkin patch, um, you know, maybe take a hayride. Maybe it's the day that you bake all your favorite fall cookies. You know, we did this a couple of years ago with our kids and our grandchildren. We got fall cookie cutters and we, you know, did sugar cookies and we decorated them. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Maybe end the day with a bonfire uh, with your friends and just enjoy the simple things that fall ushers in. So fall day all day could be as much or as little as you want it to, but it's a way to foster and cultivate memories for your kids. And really that's what your children are after. They want those memories. And we have done that for many, many years uh, with our children. So I really liked that. I know a lot of you have been doing movie nights um, and I think that's a great idea as well. So I think if you, if you like me have decided, you know what, uh, Halloween's not something we want to participate in then go ahead and figure out something else to do. And we have lots of opportunities to participate in other things. And so, uh, you know, go to the pumpkin patch, for goodness sake. You know, we've been doing that for years with our kids and they still talk about it. And now our daughter and her husband are taking their kids to the pumpkin patch. So also it's a great way to support your local farmers. So that's all I have to say about that. We really need to be taking these things before the Lord and asking God what he wants us to do. But go back to, if you're looking for a biblical uh, answer to the question, whatever's good, whatever's right, whatever's honorable, whatever's of good repute, if there's anything excellent or worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And as I said before, I'm not sure Halloween fits into that category. Angel in Tennessee wrote in to say, hi, Heidi, my husband is currently serving, uh, currently in seminary. And he has two years left and Lord willing will someday be a pastor. My question is, How do I learn to be a pastor's wife and be equipped to help him and come alongside him when no one in my current church steps up to disciple the younger generation? No women's ministry, no discipleship of any kind. It's like pulling teeth to get the older generation 50 plus. Hey, hey, Angel, did you just stick me in the older generation? I think that you did. Uh, It's hard to get these guys to even want to serve. I feel like I'm going into this blind. I'm desperate to have someone come alongside me and teach me. Uh, do you have any resources or thoughts on this? Well, first of all, Angel, I love that you're asking the question. Uh, many of you know that my husband served full-time in churches for 20 years. So for, so for the first 20 years of our marriage, I was a pastor's wife. And the way that I think the best way that I learned, honestly, unfortunately, was just kind of the school of hard knocks. And one church in particular that we served at really gave me, you know, pastor's wife PTSD because the senior pastor there did not want the pastor's wives to expose any kind of struggle in their life. So if I was struggling with anxiety or we were struggling financially or we had a child who was being rebellious or whatever it was, uh, she didn't want us talking about it. We were not allowed to share our struggles. I totally reject that uh, because I think that's how we, that's how we get burned out, right? Because we can't be real. We can't say this is difficult. When you're a pastor's wife, you're largely living 
in a fishbowl because the people in your church are going to want to watch how you live your life. So live your life uh, by setting an example that's worthy of following. But if you mess up, if you struggle, if you're having a hard time in your marriage, don't keep it to yourself. Find people that you can talk to. I think there's something really valuable about just being honest uh, about your life because just because you're a pastor's wife doesn't mean that you're different from anybody in the church. You are going to struggle with things just like the rest of them will. And it's important to talk about those things in an honest way. So uh, I think too, really important that you and your husband are on the same page. Whenever I could, and when this was, you know, the years of our lives when I felt like I was having a baby every 15 minutes. So I didn't get to do as much as I would have wanted to do, but I did a lot um, in terms of just being involved with Jay and his ministry. So Jay did a lot of choir productions. This was back, you know, in, uh, in the nineties and the early two thousands when churches were doing, still doing, you know, Christmas cantatas and things like that. And so I tried as much as I could to bring the kids with me and be as involved as I could so that the church wasn't pulling us apart uh, in terms of what we were doing. It was actually a catalyst for us to do things together. And so as much as you can, I think being involved in your husband's ministry and encouraging him that way by just being available and, uh, and working alongside him, I still, I mean, there's nobody I'd rather hang out with than my husband, right? He's my best friend from sunup to sundown. And I think the church can very easily um, interfere with that relationship because you, it's, you're going to be busy a lot. And that's just how it is in church work. There was another church that Jay worked at where basically I was told, you know, because our family used to go, because this was a really big church. Our family, uh, you know, we uh, Jay would be gone oftentimes, well, all the time before I was ever able to get the kids up and dressed and out the door, especially on a Sunday morning. And when we finally got there, we would go to the green room and we would just wait for daddy, right? The kids would wait for their dad or I'd wait for him to come off the stage or whatever. And we were told by the senior pastor that they didn't want us doing that because we had, I think, five five children at the time or maybe six, and they didn't want us back in the green room. They felt it was a distraction. That was so discouraging to me because I wanted to be a part of what Jay was doing. And they were saying, no, because you have children, you can't be a part of what your husband's doing on Sunday morning as much as I wanted to be. That honestly was kind of the beginning of the end of our working at that particular church. So I think the the most important thing you're going to you're going to do stay close to the Lord, stay close to your husband. Uh be in the word with them as much as you can, pray with them as much as you can, and then just live your life like a normal human being. Uh, don't let, don't let the people from the church make you feel like you have to live in a different way uh, except for you want to set an example that's worthy of following. All right, you guys, that's all I've got time for today. I want to remind you that starting tonight in Vancouver, Washington, I am going to be teaching through the book of Revelation. So if you want to come to my women's Bible study, that starts at Firmly Planted Homeschool Resource Center at Firmly Planted Family in Vancouver. I'll link back to that location in the show notes and also to a registration link. We want to make sure and have enough seats set up for everybody. This series is going to be filmed. So if you want to be part of the sort of studio audience Bible study that we're going to be doing for Revelation, and you're in the Portland, Vancouver metropolitan area, we want to invite you to come out. That study starts tonight. You can study online with me also by simply going to Mom Strong International. And uh, we're working on an update for that website. I realize it's very old and out of date, but hang in there. We're working on an update that's going to be published here pretty soon. You can register for that. If you've got any questions, just info 
at HeidiStJohn.com and we will get back to you as soon as we can. Also, I want to encourage you, if you have a moment and you've received my book, MomStrong 365, or any of the books I've written for that matter, if you could leave a review for them over at Amazon, that really helps us get the book out there. Those ratings are kind of a big deal. And so we appreciate you leaving reviews for the book. We read them. I really appreciate it. If you want to have your question answered here at the show, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday is the way to do that. And we love to hear from you. So feedback, if you've got something you think our listeners need to hear, if you have a guest idea for the show, we'd love to hear all of those things. We're ramping up for a wonderful fall season here at podcast, and we can't wait to have you be a part of it. In the meantime, you guys, we love you. We're praying for you. Get off the bench, get onto the battlefield, and I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and